Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. brand new series called The Good Work, and I'm excited to get started with that as well, because it's going to really challenge us and help us just get in a right frame of mind for what God is about to do in this place. So we're going to take a closer look of the good work that Nehemiah, this guy from the Old Testament, started, you know, and that his story is really an example for our lives and how just an ordinary guy can do extraordinary things. And you know, the important thing is that God does extraordinary things. And so the, the message title I have for you today is, God uses ordinary people. Yes? Turn around and say, you and me. Tell your neighbor, God uses you. God uses me. See, God has called all of us to do a good work in our neighborhood, in our family, in our community, all around us. And so this series is really going to challenge us to help us find our purpose in God. Because life is not just about existing, life is about making transformation. And your life has to be transformed because you have an extraordinary good work that God has predestined for you to do before you arrived on this planet. And so it's important for us to lean into that. And you have to understand that sometimes we face obstacles, but God has given us the tools, and I'm going to give you some encouragement today to help us really lean into what God has called us to do. Now, who likes movies? Some of you, some of you two people. The rest of you are in church, and you shouldn't be lying, because I know you're watching movies. (laughs) Right? So one of my favorite actors is Denzel Washington great actor. And one of my favorite movies from Denzel Washington is called The Book of Eli. Have you watched it? Awesome movie, you know. And it's about this guy who has this mission. He has to take this book from one place to the other. And it's, it's actually the last copy. And it's the Bible, right? And he has to travel across this, this, this landscape that's destroyed. And he has to take this book across. And there's so many people that are trying to take it from him and steal it from him. And so it's really a walk of faith. And if you, I don't want to spoil the movie, but it's definitely a walk of by faith because it's not by sight, if you know the ending of the movie, it's by faith, right? And so using that as an example, he gives us a great quote because Denzel is actually a Christ follower in case you didn't know that. And this is one of the amazing quotes that he has. He says this, at the end of the day, it's not about what you have or even what you've accomplished. It's about what you've done with the accomplishments. It's about who you've lifted up. It's who you've made better. It's about what you've given back. Right? So many of us, we try to accumulate things in our life to make ourselves better. And so what Denzel is really saying, it's not about how much we gather to ourselves. It's how much we actually use what God has given us to help those around us. Because you are a conduit that God has blessed. And so often in our lives, we try to accumulate and we become storehouses and not rivers of mercy. But God, in His infinite mercy, one of the most famous scriptures is John 3, 16. And it starts off with, God so 
loved. He loved, so he gave. He loved, so he gave. And as Christ follows, we should be people that love other people. And because we love other people, we give of our generosity. We give of our time. We give of our skills. We give of what God has given us. The skills, the talents to help uplift those around us. To make some people's lives better. To help people navigate a world that might be difficult for them. That might be a bit easier for us. And so I want to impress upon you today that you were created for something. Every single one of you were created for a specific purpose. You are not an accident. You're not a coincidence. You're not just something that happened, but God created you. And maybe you've never thought about it in that fashion before. Maybe you've actually not leaned into that. Maybe you've discounted yourself based on a whole litany of stuff. You know, maybe you don't feel that you're not educated enough, you're not smart enough, you don't have the right parents, you don't have the right background, you don't have the right influences, you don't have the right color, whatever it may be. We often use personal disqualifiers to make ourselves feel not good enough. But God doesn't see us in that fashion. God created us uniquely and wonderfully. Each one of us have been lovely created by the Master's hands to do an amazing work in His name. And so today, I want you to understand, you are capable of much more than you think you are. Because God, the God of the universe, has empowered you to do great things. You were born for a purpose. You were created to do something eternal, something that matters, something that lasts beyond your lifetime, to do a great thing. And maybe you say, well, I don't feel important. I don't feel like I'm significant. I don't feel like I'm something special. But see, God uses ordinary people. He's not looking for some extraordinary leader. He's not looking for someone in a high position. He's not looking for people that have some extraordinary skill. Because He gives us what we need. He's looking for ordinary people. And so today, through the lens of Nehemiah, we're going to examine how to begin a great work in our lives. To study this ordinary guy from the Old Testament that really had a broken heart for his people. And he decided that he, he couldn't just sit there and do nothing when people around him were in distress, were in pain, were in a compromising position. And he took it upon himself to do something. And so Nehemiah 2 verse 18 says, So they began the good work. They began the good work. Are you hungry to make a difference in your world, in your family, in your community? Well, turn to someone and say, let's begin the good work. Tell someone else, let's begin the good work. One of the most motivating, captivating inspirational stories is about this ordinary guy named Nehemiah. Now Nehemiah, if you know anything about him, he was a descendant of the Israelites, but he wasn't born in Israel. He was not a pastor. He was not some great leader. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a warrior. He wasn't a king. He was, as the scriptures tell us, an ordinary person that God used to do extraordinary things. 
right? And so it was so compelling. Nehemiah was a servant. He was a servant of King Artaxes. And his role was a cup bearer. Now that might not mean much in our world, but a cupbearer in that time was a person that had to be a person of great integrity. He had to be trustworthy. He was not a native of Persia. He was a descendant of Israel. And so to be elevated to that position in an external kingdom, in a Babylonian kingdom, he had to have great integrity. He had to have great character. He had to be trustworthy. And he obtained this great position of trust based on who he was. So he was trustworthy, but he was in this position that might have given him some great benefits. He would eat some good food, right? You'd eat food for the king. So his role, it's kind of a bit harsh, because back in the day, when people wanted to overthrow the king and destroy a kingdom or just make sure that there's a new kingdom place, what they would do is they would kill off the king or they kill off the person in charge. So oftentimes, because they couldn't get close to the king, they would poison their food or put something in their wine. And so they drink this poison and die. So Nehemiah's job was to drink the wine and taste it. And if he keeled over and died, then the king wouldn't drink the wine, right? So he was the test subject. He was the crash dummy, you know? They put him in a car and they tested. Well, that was Nehemiah's job. He was the crash test dummy. He would taste the food and he would eat the, eat the food and taste the wine before the king would actually eat it. And kind of a harsh job, right? There was no life insurance back then. You had one chance, you know? Mess up and you're dead. <laughs> kind of the hard job. But that's what his job was. So he was this ordinary guy that had been picked out from obscurity and he was there in this position serving this king. And as the day goes by, on the days, he, he met one of his brothers who had returned from visiting Jerusalem. And this is what the text tells us. Hanai, one of the, or my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. And also about Jerusalem. So Nehemiah sees his brothers come along and he asks them, Hey, tell me what's happening in Jerusalem. Tell me what's happening in my homeland. Tell me what's happening in the home of my ancestors. Tell me about our people. If you know a little bit of history, King Nebuchadnezzar, who was this evil guy, had conquered Jerusalem about 140 years before this time. And he had absolutely destroyed the city. He had destroyed the walls. He had destroyed the temple. He burnt everything down and left that city in complete ruins. And more than that, he had captured the people that had the smarts and the intelligent people, and he had taken them captives back to Babylon. And so they'd been living in Babylon for a number of times. And so Nehemiah had been born of that generation that had been come out. And so he had never seen his homeland. He'd never been there. But he asked about them and he said, what's happening in my homeland is destroyed. You know, Solomon's temple was burned to the ground. Every building was in rubble. The gates had been destroyed. Absolutely no protection. If you know anything about an ancient world, the walls of the city were so important because they protected the citizens from bandits, from people that would come in and destroy them. And when you had no walls, you were living under no protection. 
That means anyone could come and take anything from you at any time. And you were living in, in terror and fear that any time, whatever you had, your, your wife, your husband, your children could be taken away. Your possessions could be destroyed. And so this was the state of Jerusalem. The Babylonians had taken most of the people away and the ones that were left were totally demoralized and had no hope. And so Nehemiah heard this story. And decades later, about 50,000 Jewish people actually got released and they moved back into Jerusalem to try and help the city come back to prominence. But they had no skills, they didn't have the resources, they didn't have the help they needed. And so even though there was this great work to be done, nothing was getting done. You ever had a time in your life where you felt you had to get something done and some tasks to be done and move ahead in life and you had no help or you had no people to help you and you feel like life is a struggle and there's nothing getting done. You feel like you're just on this roller coaster of ups and downs or you're running as fast as you can but you're not getting anywhere. Trying to get stuff done, it looks like your life, your friends' lives are moving on, your neighbors' lives are getting better, things are moving on and you seem just to be stuck. Well, that's how these people felt. They just could not move ahead. And so Nehemiah says this, they said this to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. As I said, there was no wall, there was no protection, they were vulnerable, they had no leadership, they had no direction, they had no confidence, they had no plan, and they had no hope. Now Nehemiah was in a different city, almost 2,000 kilometers away. He had never visited Jerusalem. He had never been there to see what was happening. But his heart broke at the news of what was going on with his ancestral home. How do you begin a good work? How did Nehemiah move from this distant city that was no way in, any, in his lifetime connected with him to doing one of the most major works that we see in the scriptures? and done at an excellent rate. How do you begin a good work? Well, I'm going to give you three tips. I'm going to give you a clue that's making it memorable and portable for you. So I want you to touch your heart, touch your heart, touch your knees, and look at your feet. And say, heart, knees, feet. Remember that. All right? So number one, let God... Touch your heart. Let God touch your heart. See, when Nehemiah heard about the state of his ancestral home, his heart broke. His heart began to bleed for his people. It says this in Nehemiah verse 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. His heart was broken. It would have been so easy for Nehemiah to say, you know what? That's just too bad. I'm sorry that they're in that state. I don't know those people. They're so far away. They have no impact on my life. I don't know any of them. And that's too bad for them. I feel for them, you know. 
it's sad, it's kind of hurtful, but what can I do? I'm so far away. I'm so distant. People in Jerusalem are struggling, but I'm almost 2,000 kilometers away. There's nothing I can do, can I? I'm in a different kingdom. I'm serving the king here. I don't think I can do anything. I'm at the palace eating some nice food, you know. Maybe he was sitting down and like some of us do and have a nice dinner and the TV flashes with screens of people in Africa or some other country, poverty, kids in the street. And we go, well, that's sad. And we flick the channel. What can I do? I'm not in Africa. I'm not in Asia. I'm not in Europe. I'm not in Korea. Nothing I can do. We flick the channel. We change it. Or maybe we feel, oh, that's too sad. I don't want to watch that because it's really upsetting me and upsetting my dinner, so I'm going to change the channel because I don't want to be upset at dinner time. There's nothing I can do about this, so I'm just going to change the channel. So easy for us to do, right? He was sitting in the king's palace eating some great food, drinking some fine wine, observing some fine situations, mingling with other kings and princes and and popular people. And it had been so easy for Nehemiah to say, that's not my problem. I have nothing to do with that. I don't even know those people. Someone else can take care of it. Someone else can be concerned with that. But that's not what he did. He says he sat down and he wept. His heart broke. So often when we feel that prick of conviction, when we feel that tingling of some pain we want to rush out of that situation so quickly because we don't want to feel that pain we don't want to feel that tense situation we don't want to feel like we are sad because see most of us are on a happiness quest our world is not about becoming better it's about how we can make ourselves happy so oftentimes when situations come into our life that might cause us to question our values our morals what we're doing we quickly want to escape from that situation because we don't want to rest in a place that makes us uncomfortable. We don't want to sit in a place that breaks our heart because we don't want to feel that pain. But Nehemiah, he had a different view. He sat down and he wept. He allowed God to put this burden on his heart. And he didn't want to escape it He sat there for many days and he allowed God to stir his heart in the pain of what was happening. He didn't just think about it and escape it from his mind. He had his heart broken by the plight of his people. He heard something and it touched his heart. And he allowed his heart to be stirred by God. How often do we allow God to stir our heart? What breaks your heart? What stirs your heart? Maybe when you look out into the world and you see children with special needs and you think, you know, that's a bad situation. I feel for that. Maybe it's other kids that are being bullied and that stirs your heart. And you say, that's just wrong. That's unjust. We need to do something about that. Maybe it's people that are neglected or abused or homeless or bound into a fiction with some kind of drug or alcohol and you feel compassion for them. 
Maybe it's impoverishedness and people that are lack of good drinking water, whatever it is. Or maybe it's something area in the church where you say, there's people here that are lonely, that are going through a difficult situation, uh, need help, need a companion, need someone to talk to, people that I can pull together. Maybe that's what stirs your heart. Maybe it's time for you to do something that stirs your heart. Let me tell you a story that comes from Transform. It's an amazing story. This young lady, she looked out into the church and she saw a need. There were people, young mothers, that didn't have any connection. And she came to me and she said, I've been praying and God has been putting this on my heart. I want to gather the young mothers together and have a life group to encourage them. I want to tell you that woman is sitting right here. Her name is Yvette. She allowed God to stir her heart. And she saw a need. And she didn't just pass it on. Said, oh, someone else would take care of it. Someone else can do it. There's lots of people here. They can do it. No, she sat in that place and allowed God to stir her heart. Till she said, I know there's a need. And I see a need. So many of us, we see needs, we see it all the time, and we just walk on by. Jesus gave us a parable, you know. He talked about the Good Samaritan. There was this priest, he just come from church. He had been there worshiping God and lifting his hands and saying, God, I praise you, you are an awesome God, you are a merciful God, you are a good God. I want to be like you, I want to serve you. And he's going home, and this guy, beaten, almost left for dead, naked on the side of the road, and he looked at him, and he walked on by. In fact, he walked around. He thought he was dead because he's a priest. He's the pastor. <laughs> he was up there preaching. Walked on by. Next came someone like a deacon, you know, person in the church walked on by. But then came this ordinary guy and he stopped and made a difference. And Jesus tells us that parable because this is what happened to Nehemiah. He wants us to understand it's not about how much you know, it's what you do with what God has given to you. It's what you do to help people's lives around you. Because in the doing, you demonstrate God's love and compassion. You demonstrate His willingness to go the distance out of His way to reach someone. But if our lives are so filled with accumulation of our things and what we want and what we desire to make ourselves look good, there's no room for God to stir our heart for compassion for others for compassion for things around us, for compassion for things that are in the church, for compassion for things in our community, for compassion for things in our families, because we're just thinking about how we can make ourselves better. So Nehemiah let God stir his heart. Let God touch his heart. Next step we can see from this Number two, get on your knees, touch your knees. Now, when I say get on your knees, I'm not talking about 
getting on your knees to pray, because you can pray in any fashion. Not, it's not a posture of physical attitude. It's a posture of your heart. It's a posture of saying, God, I need you. And oftentimes when we kneel, we are bowing before someone who is more prominent than us. So I'm not saying you just have to kneel, but get on your knees because it's a good thing to remember. This is a posture of our heart, not necessarily a physical posture. But this is what happened with Nehemiah. He allowed God to stir his heart and then it says, For some days I moaned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He saw a need, but he didn't just rush into it. He stayed there for a while and said, God, help me. Move me in the right direction. Because sometimes I might see something, but I don't want to do it in my own will. I want to do it in you. I want to do it from your direction, from your purpose, from your plan. Not my plan, my purpose, but your purpose and your plan. He prayed before God. See, if it's big enough to break your heart, it's big enough to pray about. He didn't think, well, I'm just one person, God. Move this burden off and put it someone else. Give it to someone else. Because I'm far away. I can't do anything. I'm not in the right position to do all this stuff. No, he invoked the God of heaven that he knew who could do all things but fail. A God who's able to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. A God that's more than capable to move heaven and earth when his people who are called by his name call on him. A God who's well able. See, God plus one is always in the majority. God plus you is always in the majority. This is what Nehemiah prayed. You can see his prayer in verse 5. It says this, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Nehemiah reminds God of his promise. He reminds God of his faithfulness. He says, I have something that's on my heart and you've put it here, God. You've placed this here. Now give me the insight. Give me the way. Give me the opportunities to make something of this possibility. Give me access. Give me provision. Give me supply. Give me resources. Whatever you're able to supply me, supply it for me. Because you are the awesome God. You're able to supply all of our needs. And he prays and asks God to make way before he steps into doing anything. Give your servant success today, he prays, by granting him favor in the presence of this man, the God of God, the king, the king of Persia, he says in verse 11. So often our prayers reveal our heart. Our prayers reveal our heart. What do we pray about? What you pray about reflects what you believe about God. 
what you pray about reflects what you believe about God. If your prayer is, God, bless my food, take care of me today, make sure I'm safe on the road, when I get back, make sure I get a good paycheck, make sure I have enough to supply this, and I want a new car, God, give me a new car, give me a new house. If that's your prayer, you're just believing God for small things, and you make Him small. Because you're just praying for small things. What you pray about is what you believe about God. You believe that he can just take care of these little things. But the big things in this life, the big decisions, the major decisions, well, you can't be part of that. I do that myself. But help me in driving to school, to work, blessing my food. You're the God of little things. So often what we pray about reflects what we believe about God. So why don't we pray big prayers? God, change this community. Pray like Isaiah. Send me, Lord. When God says, who will go for us? Isaiah says, send me. I'll go. But so often, we don't want to put up a hand, right? We want to be asked. We want to be begged. We want to be just bowed before and say, please, please, can you help us? Then we feel important. Like, oh, you need my help? All right, let me help you now. We want to be cajoled into doing something. But let's pray big prayers because we have a big God. We have a mighty God. And that's what Nehemiah says. The great God of heaven, the awesome God, the one who keeps his covenant, the one who is able to do all things, the one who is able to move heaven and earth. You, God, I'm coming before you because you can do all things but fail. You are holy. You are mighty. You are magnificent. You are able in every situation to do all things. So why do I settle for less when I can take, talk to you and get more? I think sometimes we are scared to pray that prayer because we think God might send us off on a mission that we're not ready for. I'm not ready for that. But see, God is not asking you to change the world by going off on a mission. He's asking you to change your world and the world around you. Where you are, in your situation, in your circumstance. And that's what Nehemiah was so good at because he understood the principle. When you pray for big things, God shows you big things and moves big things in your world. When you pray for little things, you get little issues. I love Nehemiah because he's such an amazing leadership genius. He investigates he casts vision, he strategizes, he delegates, he overcomes opposition, and he's all covered by this intense and intimate prayer with a God that he loves and knows that can be there for him in any circumstance. Over and over again, Nehemiah prays, even in the most little situations, he pauses. It's like an instant prayer. It's a fast prayer. It's a quick prayer. It's a pause before he answers. He does it all the time. How do you begin a good work? Well, one, let God stir your heart. Two, kneel down to pray. And three, get your feet moving. Stand up and act. So heart, knees, 
feet. Memorable and portable, right? You remember that? Heart needs feet. Let God touch your heart. Get down on your knees. And then when God answers, step forward. Use your feet to do something. Tears turned into prayers and praise drove him to act. He took wine before the king one day and and the king noticed his countenance because Nehemiah was burdened by his desire to help his people. And so in his service to the king, the king noticed and the king said to to him in verse 4, the king said to me, what is it that you want, Nehemiah? And here's the quick lightning prayer, the quick prayer, right? The king says to him, what do you want, Nehemiah? And most of us are going to say, blah, we want this. That's not what Nehemiah did. The king said, what do you want? And Nehemiah said, God, I need your help right now. It says this, then I pray to the God of heaven and I answer the king. Most of us would say, what do you want? And we answer the king. But that's not what the text says. He was right there in the middle of the situation. The king said to him, what do you want, Nehemiah? And Nehemiah instantly let up this lightning pair. God, I need your wisdom right now. Tell me what to say. Tell me what to do. Give me the words. And he answered. And God filled his mouth. That's what happened. Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so I can rebuild it. Here's the work. My people are hurting. The walls are broken. The city is exposed. Someone has to do something. I'm choosing to do it. Will you release me to do this work? So often we look at the size of the job and then we determine whether we are capable. Nehemiah didn't look at the size of the job. He looked at the size of his God. Big work, big God. God can do all things. Don't disqualify yourselves because you think you can't. It's not you who has to do the task. It's God in you who's able to do it. And sometimes we think, well, we're too busy. We're not smart enough. I can't make a difference. Maybe someone else can take on this role. Maybe someone else can take on this task. I can't do everything, you know. Well, you can't do everything, but you can do something. You can do one thing. Let your heart be touched by God. Kneel down before Him in prayer. Then stand up and act. And it's easy to remember. Heart, knees, feet. Say it with me. Heart, knees, feet. If you remember that three-step process to Nehemiah starting a good work. God touches your heart. Get on your knees and then move your feet. You don't need for someone to come to you to ask you to do something. You don't need someone to come up and say, can you do this? Can you help here? Can you do this? Because God has given you the wisdom to see. See, you don't have to be appointed by man if you're called by God. You don't have to be appointed by man if you're called by God. So, Transformers, let's say this together. Let the good work begin. 
Let's begin a good work in our family, in our community, in the church, in our neighborhood, wherever it may be. Ask God to show you something that stirs your heart. And then don't rush out of it. Stay there till he impresses upon you what you have to do. Are you ready for a good work? You sure? Some of you are like, yes. Some of you are like, "Mm." are we ready for the good work? Amen. I'll leave you with two questions for our first episode. So if you can, read Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2 this week. It'll be helpful to set your mind and also lean into what we're talking about today. And question number one, what has God placed on your heart that you keep ignoring? The reason I say ignoring is because I know God is alive and well, and he speaks to us all the time. But sometimes we just want to put it on the back burner, right? We don't want to hear it. We don't want to lean into it because he might ask for something that we're not prepared to do. So what has God placed on your heart that you keep ignoring? That you keep putting aside? That you keep saying later, maybe at this time, maybe when I'm ready, maybe when things are better, maybe this will happen, maybe this. We have a whole list of stuff. Maybe. Number two, what can you pray about this week that will help you act? What can you pray about this week that will help you act? Let's get those knees involved, yes? Heart, knees, feet. Heart, knees, feet. It's memorable and portable for you to think about. So, Can I ask you to lean into those questions this week? Can I ask you to just hear from God? Stop ignoring Him and start leaning a little bit more into what He is doing in your world, in your community, in your family, in your church. Because God wants to start a great work in you and through you. A good work. You're not waiting on Him. He's waiting on you. Let's stand. Wherever you are in your circumstance, your situation, whatever you're going through, we often think, when I'm through this, then I can do this. When I'm finished with this, then I can do this. And sometimes that relates to God too. I'll read my Bible more when I get time off work. I'll pray a little bit more when I have this done. But you won't do tomorrow what you won't do now. Nehemiah is an amazing example. God is speaking into your world now, in your circumstance now, in your situation now. There's people in your world that need your help. It might be a father, it might be a brother, it might be a sister, it might be kids. It might be people in your community, grandmother, grandfather. It might be people in the church that you see that you can assist with. Maybe it's just visiting them, 
catching up for a coffee, having a chat. Maybe that's all they need, some companionship. Maybe there's things in the church that you can help with, especially now that we're in a new building. It's a bigger place. There's so many different places and areas in our lives, in our community, in our family, in our surrounding that can benefit from the gifts and the talents that God has placed in you. Don't hold on to them selfishly because God gave them to you so you can use them to help others around you. Be a blessing. Be a conduit. Be like Jesus and give of yourself. Give of your time. Give of your energy. Give of your resources. Give of what God has blessed you with. Because when you do that, He'll give you more. We often think that if we give it away, we'll have a lack. But God is not a God of lack. He's a God of infinite supply. And the way the kingdom works is the more you give away, the more you get. That's how the kingdom works. If you hold on, you'll have what you have. But if you give it away, you'll get more. That's how God works. In every area of our life. You know, I don't want to go much, too much into this, but Paul tells us so many times, God gives us gifts, not for you. The gifts are given so you can help others. That's why God gives you a gift. No gift is given exclusively for your personal use. Every gift is given for the body of Christ. And Christ talks about it so much. And we're not in that part right now. We'll explore more as we go into this series. But I want you to lean in. Lean into this series. Because when we come through this, I guarantee your heart's going to be stirred. Your purpose is going to be revived. And if you really catch a hold of what God is speaking to us, your life will be transformed. So let's pray this morning. Amen? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for your purpose? Can I pray for your heart, your family, whatever it may be? Whatever you need right now, God's able to know. So lift your hands with me. Lift your hands to heaven. Be like Nehemiah. We come before him in a posture. We kneel before the majestic God. We use his words like Nehemiah. Oh God of heaven, the great and awesome God. You are our king. You are our Lord. You are well able and you are well capable to supply all of our needs according to your majestic riches and glory. Lord, as we hear your words, Father Jesus, you say this, don't just be hearers but doers. We pray this morning that you begin to lay upon our hearts whatever it is that you've designed for us and purposed for us. We don't want to go through life just coasting through because it doesn't bring fulfillment, it doesn't bring joy. We just feel empty. We're doing stuff, we're filling our stuff with watching TV and going places and, and all this other stuff and social media, but we're not fulfilled. We're empty inside. So show us our true purpose. Show us what you've created us to be. Put it on our hearts. Let it be heavy on our hearts so it drives us to our knees. To come before you, O oh great and awesome God. And 
ask you. Help us. Give us the words. Give us the wisdom. Give us the knowledge. Give us the paths. Give us whatever it is we need to do the good work that you've created us for to do. Created us to be. We honor you. We bless you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together? Give us some praise. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.